When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I got a personal story to share with you about what restaurants are going through and some changes you're going to see because of worker shortage. And later, early retirement is a big goal for many Americans. How do you know if it's a smart decision for you to take early retirement. I'm going to give you some of the tea leaves you should read to make that decision. So Domino's got a lot of publicity for offering to tip you for coming to pick up your own pizza. With the labor shortage that is throughout the restaurant industry, Domino's is losing a lot of sales and disappointing people in a lot of areas of the country because they're not able to make timely deliveries. So right at the time that Domino's made this announcement, um, we are in the midst of uh, our annual winter Habitat for Humanity build that we do with our listeners and our web visitors and our TV viewers and all that. And so I had to go get food for our volunteers that day. And we had a big discussion, wasn't an argument, about various <laughs> options for food. And uh, I was looking for what was the most cost-effective option to feed 70 volunteers. And Krista is more willing to open up the wallet than I am and is giving these <laughs> suggestions of things. And they turn out to be $11 a person to bring lunch in. So I do the math. And Domino's, if I go pick up the pizza, I'm able to get these uh, large Domino's pizzas with three ingredients for $7.99 each. So I buy 30 large pizzas. And I buy them online. And there was a Domino's real near where we were building Habitat. And pay for it, you know, and I arrange the time for the next day. And so I get there the next day just before lunchtime, uh, and I set it up at 11.30 because I didn't want to be in the middle of their lunch rush to pick up the pizzas. And I pull into the parking lot of the Domino's, and there's no cars at all. No cars. And it's one of the experimental dominoes that has a big seating area where people can come uh, order a pizza, pick it up, and go sit in a dining room. You ever seen one of those? I have not. Yeah, it seats like 30 people. And I'm like, oh, man, there's nobody here. Did they not open today? And so I go up to the door, and I look inside. You know how you look inside a business to see if anybody's actually there? I don't see a soul. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? How am I going to feed these 70 people? And then I pull the handle and it was unlocked. 
And I'm like, now what do I do? <laughs> so I go in and peer around. And it turned out there was one person there, one brave soul opened that Domino's, was making all the pizzas. There was obviously no delivery because nobody else showed up to work. And this wonderful woman worked her, I mean, worked so hard, worked her tail off. Uh, took her a little while, but I got all 30 of my pizzas. Wow. They were actually great. The volunteers ate the pizza. I just want you to know this versus your $11 person okay. option. And let's not even talk about the toppings discussion we had. <laughs> yes, we did have a lot of discussion about toppings because I was trying to take care of the vegetarians and the meatitarians and uh, trying to figure that out. But anyway, that di- that digresses yes, yes. from the story. But this, this, and I wish I knew her name because mm. this woman had this extreme work ethic and was working as hard as she could. And I was watching this monitor and the orders coming in online, bam, 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 bam. How is this one woman, like, woman going to make all those? And I wonder if they have a way of shutting off that they don't accept orders electronically that involve delivery, but it speaks to these extreme labor shortages that were going on. We talked the other day about um, how Walgreens and CVS have had such labor shortages that locations just close without notice for a day or two or whatever randomly. And that happened to one of our staffers who had to be tested for our staff trip that we just took for our meetings in Puerto Rico, uh, and the weather was great. It was. But uh, she and her, uh, her, is he her husband or fiancé? Fiancé. Fiancé. So they they had made an appointment, and they show up at the Walgreens to get their COVID test he had to have at that point to go to Puerto Rico, and it was shut up tighter than a drum. They just did not open that day i mean this stuff is a real 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 issue so the labor shortages in the united states were only magnified by the pandemic we had them before the pandemic and we're going to continue to have them in any job category that tends to attract a lot of its labor from younger americans we don't have them and we're at a stalemate in the united states about having some kind of guest worker program that's going nowhere in Washington. So we have this shortage of millions of people with an aging population. We don't have the people to fill all these jobs, period. We don't have them. So you're going to find so many innovations are going to come out of this. I mean, like crazy with um, robotic. I've seen it at CES in Las Vegas, the robotic cooking, the robotic cleaning, all these technologies that are going to get better and better and better. Um, you go into, where was I the other day? I went in, oh, I went into a McDonald's and you can tell where my food groups are, right? <laughs> so I go into McDonald's and on the door, the sign said, we apologize. We don't take orders in person anymore. You can only order from the app or from, they have those screens, mm-hmm. those terminals you can order from, but they didn't have enough staff to actually take an order with a human. 
we're going to see that kind of thing become routine. We're going to see a lot of restaurants that may have been operated on a method where you had table service, and now you'll order either on your phone or on an app, or you'll order at a terminal, even at a a not quite white tablecloth restaurant, but mid-price restaurants, and you'll order or you'll go uh, to the terminal and order, and then they'll call you up to get your food, or they'll have food runners. They won't have people who take your orders, but they'll have people who run the food to you because the math just doesn't work. I saw a very interesting story in the New York Times about how restaurants all over the country are not answering their phone or don't even have a phone anymore because they don't have the time anymore to talk to someone. And I called a restaurant recently to order food for carryout. And the person was, they did answer the phone. The person was very apologetic, but said, I'm sorry, we no longer take orders by phone. You have to go to our website to order. So at least they told me that. They could have just had a recording that said that. But these things that seem temporary are very much part of our future. And you're going to see behind, you won't see, but behind the scenes, you're going to see more and more automation that becomes part of so many businesses is how they're going to deal with the labor shortages going forward. And I know that for traditionalists, This stuff is hard, but change is inevitable. And until we reach some kind of national understanding and agreement about allowing in for a period of time, which we may not get there, allowing in younger people to work in guest worker programs in the United States legally for a period of time, like agriculture has, um, we're going to continue to face these extreme labor shortages. Because Americans aren't going to suddenly start having a lot more babies. I mean, our birth rates in the United States have been steadily trending down for a long time. And that's why we are such a graying, aging population. All right, we'll go to some questions now. This is from Jack in Florida. I'm going to a community college in Iowa for 12 weeks. I will be taking a truck driving commercial driver's license course. I will be living in a dorm and I want to get a part-time job on the weekends since I would like some spending money and don't know anyone there. Would a place like Applebee's or a restaurant like that hire me part-time for 12 weeks while I go to school? Jack, everybody will hire you. I mean, and if you're getting a CDL, means you're already a very accomplished driver. Maybe you go drive for Uber and Lyft or deliver for Uber Eats or whatever. There's so many possibilities for you. And yes, um, I was in Florida last week, and I think 100% of the retail establishments and restaurant establishments have big help wanted signs and they will, you'll go in, they'll reach to your wrist, they'll take your pulse (laughs) and they say, okay, you're late for your shift. You need to get back there right now. 
Totally. Okay, this is from Dan in Ohio. I was wondering if you're familiar with Alfred Cam- Camera Home Security. It's supposed to be able to turn an old cell phone into a security camera. I just wanted your thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, Dan, this is uh, such an innovative thing from that company and many others that have figured out that we've got old cell phones sitting in drawers all over America by the uh, maybe hundreds of millions at this point. And these phones can have an additional life. And the most common one is just what you said, using it as a security camera. We have a briefing on Clark.com of all the various uses people are making of old unloved cell phones to give them new added life. And the most common of all of them is just what you're asking, using them for security cameras. And from Pam in Florida, years ago, my husband and I bought savings bonds for our grandkids. Their father and mother have since been through a number of relationships. We have copies of when we purchased the savings bonds, but the mother and father have no clue as to their whereabouts. Where do we have to go for the kids to get the money due to them? Very easy procedure, believe it or not. At savingsbonds.gov, you'll see how to contact an office. It used to be in Parkersburg, West Virginia. I don't know if it's still there. But you contact this investigative office that researches lost savings bonds. And they are great at it. And I, I hear feedback from people that, hey, we, we even had more than we knew we had. You'll need the grandkids social security numbers if they were um, if the parents were involved when you originally purchased you may need the parents social security number as well because that's the easiest way for them to find these and reunite the kids with their money so uh, it is really impressive that the government does and by the way savings bonds typically earn money for 30 years and after that point they stop earning so they don't get better with age after they've turned 30 so you definitely want to cash them in so i think about four years ago i think was the peak of the fire movement in the united states and canada the uh, financial independence retire early movement you never really hear about it anymore but the idea of being able to bag work earlier than a traditional retirement age is so appealing but you got to know is it really okay for you or not i've had a most unusual life and i don't want to dwell on it because so many people have heard that i retired when i was 31 years old and never really intended to work again and found my way into doing what I do now, just a series of circumstances. I ended up working again and and now I've worked for um, decades since doing stuff that I love. So here I am about to turn 67 and I have no intention of retiring again because I'm doing what I really, really enjoy. And ultimately to me, when I think about that movement that was so hot and now so not, the FIRE movement, financial independence retire early, 
when I get to the core of it, what it was really about, in my opinion, was about the financial independence part, that you then were free at whatever age you achieved financial independence to do with your life what you wanted. If really what you wanted to do was go be a semi-professional kite surfer, then that's what you do. If you want to go work for some uh, charitable organization or mission because that's what you love and you have the financial independence to do so, you do that. But it's very rare that somebody will achieve financial independence and just do nothing. I mean, very few people who were ambitious enough to be able to build up the kind of reserves that they then are free to do whatever, that the whatever is to do nothing. Because mentally they just, I mean, the circuits go crazy. They don't know what to do with themselves. People generally need or want some kind of purpose in life. Now, you take that idea and then you look at instead retirement at a more traditional thing where you worked at more traditional jobs, you did what you could to save along the way, and you're in your, let's say you're in your late 50s, early 60s, and you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I, I'm tired of this. I'm bored with work. I want to have time for myself, and I don't know how long I'm going to live. So a lot of people decide most often at age 62, they're done. They take early Social Security, and they may for many years have a really great time. But what happens often is we the thing about we don't know how long we're going to live, we live longer than we thought we would, and we don't have the resources to do it. So I really believe in a very important compromise. Unless you have been a savings maniac through your working lifetime, I want you, whatever it takes and however you do it, if at all possible, to delay taking Social Security till your 70th birthday. Because when you wait from 62 to 65, 68, 70, especially 70, the amount you'll receive from Social Security can be the difference between living at or near poverty to living with some level of comfort because the monthly check you get is so much larger. Now, I know, I know, I hear all the time, well, why would I do that? Because what happens if I die when I'm 71? And I would have foregone those eight years of Social Security listening to you. Well, if you've died at 71, you're not going to know anyway. So, no, that's not the point. The point is that it's never about worrying about not living long enough, unless you know you have uh, illness that's very likely to severely shorten your lifespan, there's no way you're going to live to what the actuarial tables say you'd live to, then it would call for a different argument, going ahead and taking the Social Security earlier. But if it's just the thing, a roll of the dice, you want to roll the dice on the basis that you will live longer than you think, not shorter than you think, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to get later in your retirement years physically not being able to do a lot, maybe not being able to work, and you just don't have enough money. So what's the compromise? Compromise 
is you do wait those eight years and it's not an all or nothing. Many people work part-time in their 60s, which gives you the financial wherewithal to wait till you're 70 to take the Social Security. Because I don't want you to be one of those people who is struggling financially. You know, there's a, there's a wonderful, nice woman who I'm sure has passed away now, who I met forever ago at a Burger King. By the way, every reference you'll hear from me is a warehouse club or fast food, right? Talking to somebody. And so this woman who was uh, quite up in years was working at the Burger King, cleaning the tables and mopping and stuff. And because she had no money. She sat down one day and she said, Clark, I want you to do something for me. I want you to always tell people to not make the mistake I did. I retired too early. I thought I was going to be fine. I'm broke. I can't live just off my social security. And I'm working here at the Burger King. I want you to let people know, work while you still feel good enough to work. And then later you retire. And so I have shared her message over the years and I share it with you again. And there are situations where retiring at various younger ages work great. And you have a question about that, Krista. I do. This is from Brooke in Florida, by the way, who says she listens to you when she's running every morning. I'm 55 years young. At age 47, on a whim, I took an early retirement and moved to Florida. I took my pension early at age 50 at a reduced rate, which is more than enough for my frugal lifestyle. Here's my question. I have about $50,000 in savings in three different financial institutions. I want to keep this cash fairly liquid just in case the opportunity to travel the world pops up. I already have a deferred compensation account, a Fidelity Roth IRA, and a Fidelity Traditional IRA. I own my home with no mortgage and have no debt. Is there a better place to keep this money? Thank you for doing what you love. You are an inspiration. Well, I love everything you said because you're the perfect blend of what I was talking about with financial independence, retire early, all your financial blocks were in place. You're in great shape. You own your home free and clear. You carry no debt. You have all these retirement funds. You've got this pension that more than takes care of your expenses. You are a perfect example of someone who totally did the fire. And there you are from 47 on, living the life you want to live. That is great. So this 50000 that is kind of like your mad money account, rainy day account, emergency fund, there's not much you can do with it in today's low interest rate environment. All you can really do is earn about half a percent on that savings. That's what you're going to earn. And having it in three different financial institutions seems unusually complicated to me. I would just go to like bankrate.com and look at the list of the highest savings rates in the country, open one of those online accounts, put the money in there. You have an American Express card. You can open American Express's account that pays half a percent on your money and know that as interest rates rise on loans, the rising that we'll see with interest rates on savings will trail behind it slower. It's kind of like gas prices. When gas prices go up, they go up in a hurry. When they come down, they come down 
much slower. We're going to see that with savings where the interest rates on loans rise at a faster rate than the savings, but the savings rates will follow and go up over time. Just right now, Brooke, it's good you don't need that money and you're not going to earn a lot on it right now. This is from Susie in Oregon. I have a two-year-old Honda Ridgeline that is paid off. I'm wondering with the high demand for used cars, would this be a good time to buy a new car to maximize the trade-in value for my Ridgeline? So I just did something (laughs) so complicated to accomplish exactly what you're talking about. And I don't know how the numbers work on a Ridgeline, but I sold a um, a Tesla Model Y, what a model that doesn't exist anymore called the standard range. I sold one that was just over a year old for $19,000 more than I paid for it because there was so much demand for it as a used vehicle, turned right around and ordered a replacement new one with a different model that is a fancier model, and it's costing me $7,800 more to get a brand new fancier one than the one I just sold. I mean, it's the math is bonkers now. And I just keep thinking, why wouldn't somebody who wanted the Model Y just order and wait the time to get it? And the answer is sometimes people need a car right then. So Susie, the question for you is if you do get a really good offer, uh, CarMax, Carvana, local Honda dealers, whoever offers you the most money for the Ridgeline, if it really is a phenomenal offer where you make much more than what you paid for it, then the question is, how long are you going to be without a vehicle? Because vehicles are hard to get right now. And what are you going to have to pay for that new vehicle? I saw a report from Edmunds.com that right now, I think it's Okay, I'm going to get this close because I'm trying to remember the exact stat. But it was something like 75% of cars now, new cars, are being sold above manufacturer suggested retail price, which is very, very unusual. So you got to make sure the numbers actually work to do this transaction like it crazily worked for me. And this one's from Donna in Massachusetts. I've started a new job. However, they use a company called Empower for their 401k. All my other investments are with Fidelity, and the reviews I've read are scary. Can you give me some insight regarding this company? So Empower is, they are a respected 401k plan provider, but they're not my kind of deal because the fees are very, very high. And what I've recommended to people, if you're in a Um, And not every Empower plan will be high cost because in some cases, the employers will absorb the high costs. And the background is this is a 401k provider that is an insurance company operated one. An insurance company 401ks tend to have extremely high costs. So you want to know what the costs are and your costs all in um, forgetting what people say generally about Empower but your costs all in on the plan you have from your employer, including the investment expenses and all that, if they are less than half a percent, then they're not Halloween scary at all. You're okay having your 401k there. If, on the other hand, you find that you are in 
a high cost and power plan, what I recommend is you only put money into that plan that gets you whatever the company matches. If your company offers a match, you grab the maximum match you can. And then after that, you do your own Roth IRA with Fidelity. And at Fidelity, you know, you can do a Roth for a Roth IRA at very, very, very low cost. So that would be the most efficient way to do it is to pick up the six grand you can save in the low cost Roth IRA with Fidelity if your Empower plan is one that has all in expenses, including the management expenses on the funds you choose that exceed half a percent, then absolutely just up to the match period. So again, I want to state Empower is not a ripoff company. It's not a scam. They're not crooks. They just approach this in a way that's not my way. They're not a low-cost provider of retirement plans. And I want you to know that we've got something better than low-cost. I got something for you that's free. And that's our newsletters that we have both our Clark.com newsletters and our ClarkDeals.com newsletters. The Clark.com gives you information that you can put to work in your life about various uh, money topics. And ClarkDeals.com is straight out curated deals that we believe are the best deals of the day that we're not going to waste your time with. And the biggest problem with Clark Deals I see all these deals of stuff I want to buy. They, they really do. Our deal diggers do a great job picking out really, really good deals that I want you to know about. And we also, if you're into social media, we have communities on Facebook and on Instagram. And wherever it is that we can serve you and however it is we can serve you, I hope you'll join us.